Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Hello to brothers and sisters, welcome Coronavirus Diaries, day nine. Um, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. We thank Allah, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us life, for giving us health, for giving us the ability to actually uh, join you today on another program, another show, another day. We ask him to continue to bless us and guide us. I have with me today Dr. Salman. Assalamu alaikum, Salman. Wa alaikum assalam, Taji. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. It's wonderful to see you. And by the power of technology, you are on the other side of London, and I am this side of London. And with the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the technology, we're able to connect and join each other. Uh, how are you today, man? Alhamdulillah. Keeping well, alhamdulillah. Cor- coronavirus free at the moment. Alhamdulillah, we ask Allah to keep us that way. Brothers and sisters, um, first request, grab your phone, whatever device you're watching on, go and share this to um, other pages. Uh, inshallah, please share the video with your aunt, your uncle, wherever they are in the world. We have people watch from across the world. Uh, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. Uh, Sheikh Muhammad Ismail Abdulmanaf has shared the video. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. You know, wonderful. He joins us literally every night. Uh, we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. So, brothers and sisters, please go and share the video. My first task for you today. Um, at the start, we normally play this uh, a dua that we, we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask Him for protection and recite one of the duas that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us to make in these times let's play the dua Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Welcome again, brothers and sisters. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And today, um, what is our topic? So that's our topic, brothers and sisters. Ask the scientist. I'm joined by Dr. Salman, who is a cell uh, biologist. Salman, how are you? How are you? How are you? Alhamdulillah. Keeping very well. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, I um, You know, in the last uh, few days, I think this uh, this issue has started to come home in terms of knowing people. Um, we had one doctor today, uh, just put up his, his picture. So this is the first doctor that dies of coronavirus in the UK. Uh, I think his name is Dr. Habib. Um, mm-hmm. After showing textbook symptoms, we make dua, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant him a jannah, uh, mm-hmm. make him one of the martyrs, one of the shuhada to bless his family, to grant them sabr, sabr and jameel in these uh, blessed times. And um, really, uh, I, I, I feel this issue is now no longer something academic. Uh, it's coming home to, to, to us. Um, you have family. You have, you have family in Italy, Salman. 
That's right, yes. My, my mother's Italian and uh, we have, uh, from the south of the sea, south of Naples, so we have um, a whole uh, group of people living down, still living there, you know, and so they're obviously facing the, you know, pandemic that's, you know, basically overwhelmed the Italian healthcare system. Wow. So they're really in, in, on, in, in the face of things. Subhanallah. The, 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 the picture I have on the screen that, you know, it's, it says the coronavirus, more than 900 deaths in a day yes, in, in, right. in, in Italy. More than 900, subhanallah. Subhanallah, yeah. I mean, overall, I think it's about 9,000 now. And, subhanallah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they are really facing a crisis over there. Subhanallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to aid, to aid us all. Um, mm -hmm. The topic today, um, you know, ask the scientists, and we thought, you know, bring on, bring on a scientist. Uh, I've known you for many years. Um, someone, you're a cell biologist. Just, just tell us, what do cell biologists do? So, cell biologists are interested in all aspects of how cells uh, behave and, and work and function. In my particular uh, specialization is vascular cells and also and, and vascular biology. So, I'm interested in how. Uh, blood vessels grow both in uh, health and in disease okay okay so doing research over the i've known you for many years as a scientist so you've done yeah. research in different countries and different labs and in different places that's right yeah in some of the uh, major labs here in the uk and also abroad as well i did some uh, uh spent some time in malaysia alhamdulillah very beautiful country alhamdulillah. And so uh, yeah i mean you know doing as much research as we can. Alhamdulillah. We, we, we get some visitors sometimes, brothers and sisters from Malaysia. So, um, coronavirus. Um, yeah. I think there's a whole host of questions that people are asking, people are asking, um, you know, what is a coronavirus? Is this some new organism that mankind has never known? Mm -hmm. Is it something that exists in a new form? What is, on a, on a basic level for Taji, what is a coronavirus? So coronavirus is a virus, and viruses are not living uh, entities like cells. Uh, they are basically uh, particles of protein and, uh, and genetic material that can infect cells and sort of take them over and, and make the cells produce lots more of the virus particle. And eventually this causes a cell to die uh, and release lots, you know, tens of thousands of virus particles. So they are basically parasitic in a way, uh, and uh, they can. Some of them are fairly harmless, and some of them are, can cause very severe disease, like the smallpox uh, virus, for example, which you know caused huge amounts of death in the sort of 18th century. So the virus, the coronavirus itself, is is, is a virus that belongs to a family of viruses, coronaviruses, which infect both animals and human beings. Um, and they can cause a variety of respiratory and enteric diseases in both animals and, and, and humans. Of the coronaviruses that infect human beings, there are about seven different coronaviruses. Uh, four of them produce very mild disease, like a common cold. But recently, uh, three new coronaviruses have emerged in the last 20 years. So the virus that, causes, that caused SARS in 2002-2003, uh, which was uh, an epidemic that came from again from China mm. uh, and, and that went to about uh, a dozen or so countries uh, infecting about 8,000 patients and, and killing up to about 800. Uh, 
Mm. So that was a you know a smaller scale uh, pandemic, and then there was the uh, MERS uh, outbreak, which took place. The, the MERS, the Middle Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, which started in Saudi Arabia and then spread to a number of countries, and again, that infected maybe about two and a half thousand people, and killed about thirty percent of them. So these two new viruses, which have fairly recent in the coronavirus family. Uh, well, you know, obviously of great sort of significance of concern to to uh, world world health. And now, what's happened in in the last few months? A new virus has emerged, again belonging to the coronavirus family, quite similar in 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 its structure to the SARS virus, but this one seems to be a lot more uh, contagious in that it's spreading with with, with much greater uh, virulence. And although it doesn't have the same mortality rate as SARS. Nonetheless, its mortality rate is significant enough to cause you know, a lot of concern, which is why we're seeing the kind of measures that are, being, that are taking place now. You, you've just said something there which I'm a bit surprised about. So SARS, the, yeah. I can't remember what the S stands for. Uh, the S stands for... Something acute, severe acute respiratory severe, syndrome. That's right, severe acute respiratory syndrome. Mashallah. I should, cl I should clap for myself that I remembered it in yeah. the end. I should get a mashallah star like the kids get from right. Grand class. Right. Um, so SARS, what, you're saying that SARS, which the world was afraid a few years ago when SARS was around and affecting lungs and some people dying. I remember there was a lot of news that, you know, people traveling in planes, SARS is going to spread, we're going to have a possibly a global pandemic, but Alhamdulillah, it didn't come to that. You're saying SARS was more deadly than coronavirus? Yes, it had a, it had a mortality rate of about 10%. Ooh, um, which, which at the moment, mortality rate of, 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 of the uh, SARS-CoV-2, the, the COVID-19 hmm. causing uh, virus. Currently, it's around about four and a half percent. And that is based upon the number of uh, confirmed uh, cases of coronavirus. I mean, the it, likelihood is that the number of the number of cases is much greater, and so that so the mortality rate would be probably lower. But you know, going on what we know at the moment, it's four and a half percent. So it's significantly lower in its mortality rate than the SARS. But it seems to be spreading at a much uh, greater level. Okay. And that's, so, the, that's the biggest difference. So, so, one of, so the big thing here is that it, whether it's as deadly or not, it is spreading far quicker, far faster, far wider than SARS or MERS and the similar coronaviruses we had before. Yes, that's right. Okay. And we, and we don't really understand why at the moment. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of one of the gaps in, in knowledge at the moment, and which is why uh, you may have heard in the news that, uh, that they are bringing out some of these new tests that can measure uh, the serotype uh, in patients' plasma, and so essentially being able to identify who has had the virus and who has recovered from it. And having that knowledge will give us a better idea just how widespread the virus has been. You know, Because at the moment, all we know about the numbers of people with the disease are those who are being tested. You know, we heard today that, you know, that half of the British government has gone down with the virus and is now self-isolating. Those have been tested and they know and they, they are confirmed cases, but they may be quite a large number of people in the community that have had the virus but have never been tested and so are not registered as confirmed cases. So by having this other test which can measure uh, the presence of antibodies in a patient's serum against the virus, we can get a better picture of just how much, how many people have had, had the disease and have recovered from it. And that gives us a better picture 
and a better understanding of the dynamics of the disease. Okay. Question there for, this is going back to my uh, O-level biology subject I used to like. Uh, I, was, I was all right at it. Um, alhamdulillah. Now, alhamdulillah, I mean, now the, the, the antibodies, the last few days they're talking about antibody tests. So first question for you is, when we say antibodies, what do we remember by antibodies? And when does somebody who gets this, this disease, coronavirus, when do, they, when do antibodies exist in their body? So two questions, what are antibodies and when do they have it? So antibodies are part of the uh, person's immune defense mechanism. Um, essentially, we have something called uh, an adaptive immune response, which means that when a foreign uh, body like a virus or a bacteria enters the body, uh, the body's immune system can sense that invasion and sort of creates a, a, an immune response against it. And some of the earliest uh, activities of the production of antibodies that can basically uh, bind to the virus particle and neutralize it and prevent it from infecting the cells of the body. So that can start within about three days up to about nine days, you get an initial immune response, an initial production of antibodies. But then with time, you get a much more concerted response. And, um, and also what happens after you recover from the infection, hopefully you'll also have some memory. The immune response remembers, has a way of memorizing the, 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 the foreign invading particle, the, the virus or the bacterium, so that if you ever get it again, it is much more prepared to give a faster response. So the way to look at this is, is like the virus, when it enters your body, it's like an, in, an invading army. And your mm. body has an army that has to then prepare itself and then fight off this virus, if you like. And so usually the virus has the upper hand because it started first, it's multiplied, and the body has to then catch up. And so those antibodies will then be in your, in your blood, in your serum, and once you've recovered from it, they remain for some time. And so those tests can pick up those antibodies and then can identify people who have had the virus, essentially. SubhanAllah. Allahu Akbar. You, you know, when you're explaining that and you said the, the human immune system is adaptive. Yeah. And I just thought, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that. So when something new hits us, this new thing comes into our body. The body recognizes, initially, it, it, the picture in my mind is of, of a boxing match, yeah? Mm. And initially, COVID-19 or any other virus has an upper hand, you know, and it, mm. it hits us and our, our immune system trying to defend us may not be able to cope. But after a while, the immune system recognizes, I know your weakness, yeah? yeah. You're a southpaw. I'm going to hit you in this way, yeah? yeah? So it finds that it starts to work out the virus, and then it starts to get its own helpers. They start to multiply yeah. such that one, they can recognize this virus, and yeah. they know how to now hit back. So within the body of the human being, you now have these things, which are the antibodies in response to this particular virus, which was... A foreign invader. Yeah, so the antibodies are like the first line of, de of defense or the first response to the virus, but also the immune system has uh, T cells that come and actually uh, uh, kill the, the, the cells that are producing the virus. So there's just two, two arms to the production uh, of these antibodies, okay. which is known as a humoral response, and that basically uh, sort of neutralizes the virus and pre prevents it from actually infecting the cells. 
But then there's something called a, a T cell response. And these are cells that will come, identify the cells producing the virus, and then start to kill those cells off. And so the immune response is, you know, uh, uh, has two prongs, if you like. Um, and uh, that is a good thing because it helps to uh, protect the body. But in some cases, that uh, can also become a bad thing. And, and usually you find that in patients, and in particular with this uh, particular, some of the patients that, can, that succumb to the disease do so because the virus seems to produce a altered immune response, a kind of an over uh, or a, a huge immune response, sometimes known as a cytokine syndrome. And what happens is that that can actually start to damage the tissues of the body and that can actually cause uh, a lot of the uh, major problems with, with, with the disease. So it's, it's a tricky thing, you know, it's, 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 it's a very, it's a, great, a, a system which is in great balance and sometimes the virus can actually fight back and exploit the immune system for its own purposes. SubhanAllah. Uh, brothers and sisters, I'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions for Dr. Salman. Brother Ekrem Messe um, has posted a question. So he says, I want to ask Dr. Salman, there are some comments that says that COVID-19 is a, biologic, a biological weapon. Is it possible to be, hum to be a human-made biological weapon, uh, considering the structure of the virus? So, look, to keep, to keep our minds completely open on something like this, I, you know, you have, the technology is available to be able to be able to make an engineer a virus. Whether you can make it as a weapon, that's you know an area of, of great debate. But certainly, we can engineer viruses, and it's possible that you know that an, a virus was engineered. However, it is unlikely to be the case. And and the problem that, that we are currently have, having in terms of identifying how this disease has come about is that we haven't been able to identify the uh, reservoir animal that this virus is, is assumed to have jumped from into humans. So basically what um, scientists believe who have studied the structure of the virus, they're pretty much convinced that the origin of the virus is from the horseshoe bat, you know, because a lot of the coronaviruses are found in, as a, in the bat as a reservoir species. But to get from the bat into the human, the virus has undergone significant change in structure. And usually that occurs in an intermediate species. And that intermediate species has not been found. And that's why all these kinds of so-called conspiracy theories or other theories about the origin of the virus still have some traction. Because until they find, or until we find the animal host that has this virus, we are not going to know how it's come about. And it's important to understand that because if you can understand which animal it has been sort of lying in and, and has jumped from, then you can basically isolate humans from that animal, for example, and prevent a further uh, outbreak. And it's important to understand that when it came to the SARS uh, virus and the MERS virus, the reservoir animal were, were ident was identified in both cases. So in the case of SARS, it was the civet, you know, the cats. Yeah, it was which, the cats. And in the, with the MERS virus, it was the camels. The camel, yeah. Yeah. So. Both of those uh, viruses were identified from those species, and they had like 99.7% homology with the virus that was isolated from the from humans. So it is, you know, no doubt that they really came from from there. But when it comes to this particular SARS-CoV-2 virus, we haven't found that animal reservoir. So it, at the moment, how this virus has come about is still still a mystery. Okay. Uh, 
Okay, that's interesting. There's, there's a, I've just got an article up on, on, on the screen. Um, mm -hmm. This is uh, from one of the papers and it says, study proves conspiracy theories wrong, coronavirus came from nature. Um, the, yeah. One of the new things, uh, sorry, your, 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 your comments to that. Yeah, I've read that article and it, yeah, it makes a fair, fair case. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, it, it doesn't preclude the fact that, you know, the technology does exist to engineer these viruses. In fact, you know, today we are using viruses in order to make new medicines, and that involves yeah, engineering. So, sorry, yeah, scientists are using viruses to make new medicines? Yes, we're using uh, many uh, viruses, ones that are generally harmless to the human population, uh, things like adenoviruses. And what we can do with those viruses is that we can use them as vehicles to, trans to transmit uh, uh, genetic medicines, what's known as gene therapies into cells, um, which can effectively, you know, cure diseases. So there's a lot of technology that, you know, in terms of engineering those viruses to be able to, to, to be used therapeutically. Um, so the technologies are out there for us to be able to, to, to engineer and modify viruses, without a doubt. You know something which I did not know, this, uh, mm -hmm. this picture, I've just put the picture on the screen of the, of, of, of the virus, kind of like a picture under the electron microscope, yeah. and it's got these spikes coming out of the ball. Yeah. And I did not know that that had any significance. I thought maybe just some artist just drew this fancy ball, which looks very interesting. But those yeah. spikes actually, it, it has it has some it has some significance. It's not just a random thing. That is no. actually how the virus is. No, those spikes are very very important because they are the 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 way in which the virus can latch onto its target cell in the human body and then oh. enter those cells. And in fact. The, the immune response that we are, we've been talking about previously, um, but the, the antibodies that are produced in humans, many of them bind to that spike protein and prevent that spike protein from interacting with the cells. And that's how, it, how those antibodies neutralize the, the virus. So that spike protein that makes the virus look like a crown, mm. it, it's very significant in the function of the virus. And the virus has a, has a way of mutating that protein, so changing its structure which is why certain strains are able to, uh, uh, to evade the antibodies that human beings produce and can basically then reinfect people and create a new, a new, pan a new epidemic. So this is one of the problems with the flu virus. The flu virus mutates so much that its proteins that it uses to enter cells, mm. it, 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 it finds a way around the immune system, basically, you know, because it mutates those proteins, changes their structure. The immune system can't see it anymore. And then that's why every now and again we get a new flu uh, epidemic or pandemic. So, so the aim at the moment is to try and make one of these universal flu vaccines. Uh, and at the moment we haven't succeeded in doing that. Nature yeah. has, still has the better of us. I have a lot of questions. So let me rattle through people's questions. Orengzeb Abu Sophia says, once you have had the virus and recovered, are you likely to become immune to it? And similar, uh, sister Neznin Fatima says, does human have the tendency, do humans have the tendency to get COVID-19 twice? You see, the, this is again a bit of an area of, of, uh, that we don't really understand right now because this is a very new virus and we can only make predictions based upon what we know about the other co uh, coronaviruses like the SARS virus and the MERS virus. If you look at some of the other viruses, the, the ones which are very much milder, so these are the coronaviruses that give you a common cold, the immunity that's generated against those viruses doesn't last very long. It only lasts a few months. So that's probably why we get 
you know, recurring infections with those coronaviruses. When it comes to things like the SARS virus, people believe that the immunity that's gained from that is much uh, longer lasting. So potentially, if the SARS virus was to was to break out again, those people who have had it the first time should should be able to uh, muster an immune response against the virus and should give them protection. But when it comes to to the SARS-CoV-2 and, and COVID-19, we just don't know at the moment, which is why the, 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 the strategy of trying to develop what is known as herd immunity, this is a strategy that the British government initially proposed hmm. and said that, you know, to get this herd immunity, you need to get about 60% of the population infected. That strategy is, is very, very risky because at the moment we just don't know uh, what the level of immunity is, is going to be with this virus. And, you know, and people have, have done modeling studies which indicate that if 60% of the, of the population gets infected, that means that up to 400,000 people may, may be killed. Allah Akbar. So, you know, it's a very risky strategy to be thinking about. And I know some countries are, are sort of pursuing that, that strategy, like, like Holland and, and I've heard Sweden are trying to pursue that kind of strategy. But it's very, very risky. So there's a point here that some of what the scientists know so far, if we have a percentage of the population who have it, yeah. they will develop immunity to it. They will now have antibodies against it. And if there's a big enough population, there's this thing we've been hearing the last few days, herd immunity. The, yeah. the, the society will be immune. But yeah. will that be the case? Is it 60% you need? Is it 50%? That's not something exact. Well, it depends on the way in which the virus uh, spreads. It's, it's basically it's reproduction number. So what does that mean? It basically means that, you know, if the virus, if you, if, if I have the virus, Taji, I'm likely to give it, give it to about two and a half other people. And I know you can't give half a person a virus, but that's just generally the, the, the average, you know, uh, in terms of how it spreads. So mm. about two and a half, two to three people, I'll give it to two to three people, essentially. Herd immunity is a scenario where enough people in the population have immunity to the virus such that the, the, the reproduction number goes below one. So that means that if you have the virus, you will not give it to more than half a person or even less than that, okay. essentially. Which means that there's enough of a buffer in, in, of immune people that prevent the, the, the virus from taking hold and, and generating an epidemic. Now, usually the way in which we generate herd immunity in populations is to use vaccines. So that's why, for example, you know, we give our children the MMR vaccine, for example, to prevent, to prevent the spread of measles. I mean, you could effectively allow measles to spread and develop herd immunity that way, but we know that's not safe. Okay. And so we basically have developed vaccines which work and, and which can provide that herd immunity. Okay. In the case of, this, of, this, of, of COVID-19 and, and, and the current virus, the population is completely vulnerable because there is no immunity at the moment in the population and there are no vaccines and there are no vaccines present Subhanallah. so the only weapon we have at the moment is to try to slow the rate of spread of the virus which is what why we are now isolating people and in, implementing these social uh, distancing measures because we're trying to slow down the spread of the virus so that it doesn't overwhelm the healthcare system if what happens uh, here as what's happened in italy the healthcare system in Italy was overwhelmed because the, the, the Italian government wasn't fast enough, or didn't act fast enough, and the virus spread very rapidly in the northern areas in Italy and overwhelmed the healthcare system, which is why they're, they're struggling to cope. The idea of, of isolating uh, people and, and introducing the social distancing 
is mm. to slow the virus spread down. So, you know, as they said, flatten that curve. And mm. essentially, that's what uh, China has done. If you look at China and the way they responded to the, the, the outbreak there, you know, they were, they were slow to spot, respond initially, but then they really got their act together and they've done a, an amazing job because they really just you know, isolated the whole region, mm. introduced very, very strict measures, but they've got the, 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 the outbreak under control now. Okay. Question. Abu Yusuf says, uh, what is the doctor's view, Dr. Salman's view, on the global scientific response so far? Could anything be done differently? Um, you know, you have to understand the where we are at the moment. Um, we are basically uh, in a time when, you know, the world has gone through, you know, a great economic crisis in 2008 and there was austerity uh, implemented across the globe. Essentially, these meant that there were cuts to services, cuts in research funding, you know, the healthcare systems across the world were, 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 were uh, understaffed and under-resourced. Uh, and now we're paying the price for that, really, you know. And so could, could things have been done differently? Of course, if you prioritize, you know, where, how you spend money in your economy and you, and you provide, you know, the services where they're needed, then you're going to be in a better position to respond when these types of things occur. And it's not like we haven't been warned. I mean, people have been warning us about the potential for this type of thing to happen for a long time. You know, I don't know if you people have seen, but Bill Gates's TED video has been doing the circuit on WhatsApp. And he was talking about the potential for pandemics back in 2014 and saying that, you know, not enough resources being put into the healthcare system to prepare for this type of thing. And he's been proven right. You know, we, we have understaffed uh, and under-resourced uh, both research and, and our healthcare systems. And now we're trying to play catch. Uh, for you, Dr. Salman, is uh, Sister Afshin Mahmoud says, what is your opinion on self-testing kits? Is there a danger that even if you're immune to the virus, that it may mutate and cause reinfection? Yeah, I mean, so cell let's talk about the self-testing kits first. I mean, at the moment, there are lots of companies producing these kits. Um, they, they, obviously, they're, it's very important in terms of the strategy to try and contain the virus. You know, uh, uh, countries like South Korea have undertaken mass testing and have used that knowledge to try and isolate people and prevent the spread of the virus. So the self-testing kits are being produced now by a large number of companies, but they need to be uh, checked first to, show, to check that they, are, you know, that they can do the job. So at the moment, there are a number of laboratories, both in the United States and here in the UK, that are, are sort of testing these kits to see how, how, how good they are, do they actually do what they say on the tin, basically. And once you have those tests and they're, they're, they're working, you can get a lot more understanding about how the about the dynamics of the virus and how it's spreading. Okay. Um, in terms of the issue of immunity, mm. um, again, like I said previously to a previous question, we, we, is this a new virus? And we still don't know generally uh, what kind of immunity will, will develop from it. We're hoping that you know the immunity will be strong and that it will be long-lasting and that you won't be able to get reinfected again. But there have been some reports from China that suggest that, that some patients have been reinfected with the virus, but we don't know, you know, how how the veracity of those reports, whether that's just because um, they haven't been tested properly the first time, hmm. or, and that's it's a bit of a grey area at the moment. Inshallah, brothers and sisters, thanks for joining us. Please uh, 
show us some love give us a thumbs up uh show the heart sign inshallah uh we love your brothers and sisters alhamdulillah please share the video oh thank you. i can see people giving the thumbs up um, you're gonna be able to have two bites of the cherry with dr salman um because dr salman together with my regular host uh dr abdul wahid so tomorrow inshallah ta'ala dr abdul wahid dr amjad uh mahmoud and dr salman rahman are going to be at a live stream program 7 30 p.m saturday uh HD Britain, this is organized by HD Britain from the Facebook page. So slash H Facebook.com slash HD Britain. This will be on at 7.30. Questions you have, comments you have, you're gonna have three doctors there to be able to answer your, your thoughts, your questions, inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, when I was at Salman, when I was thinking of you guys' programs tomorrow, I was thinking to myself, this is like the buses in London. You wait at the bus stop, you're waiting for a bus. They don't come. You keep waiting. They don't come. And then two buses come together. And now the world, we're looking for doctors. We're going to get three of you on a program. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. So please make sure you join 7.30. The post will be on my website. We'll also share the link from the website. Let's go back to your questions. So, um, Muhammad, uh, sister, sister Aisha Aziz asked the question, when will we get on top of this virus so that things continue as normal? Uh, Subhanallah, you know, this is in Allah's knowledge, you know. Um, you know, these things uh, come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, and when we have this type of scenario where, you know, you can see that even, you know, the most advanced uh, countries with the most advanced healthcare systems in the world are crumbling. It kind of is very humbling, you know, for, for all of us, for all of humanity. Um, so really, we don't, we don't know what, what, what's going to happen uh, with regards to this virus. It's, it's likely to get worse before it gets better. Um, there's a lots of effort being made to try and develop uh, vaccines and antiviral drugs that can perhaps uh, help to treat you know, the patients who are being you know, severely affected by, by COVID-19. But at the moment, we just don't know. We just don't know whether the virus will, will disappear in the summer months and then re-emerge in the winter months, like some of the other coronaviruses. But, but, but we know that those are fairly seasonal. We don't know whether this will be the same or whether this will be more like SARS and MERS and sort of disappear and hopefully not come back for some time. Brother Bilal Sakanda says, uh, one of the kids wants to ask if alcohol in the hand sanitizers kills the virus then why can't alcohol kill the virus in an infected body? Uh, so basically, for alcohol to be able to kill the virus, you have to have a high concentration. It has to be over 60%. And if you had over 60% alcohol in the body, you, you would be drop dead. Drop dead you know? So um, no, that's what, that why you know, consuming alcohol is not going to kill the virus. But um, you need to have a very high concentration. In fact, the best thing the glasses are soap. So you know, that's why you know, most of the glasses to wash hands. Um, because the glass in its structure, it has a uh, layer of fat on the outside virus particle, the virus to gain entry into the its, uh, cell that, it, uh, that it's going to infect. So when you wash with soap, that, that envelope, uh, that viral envelope, that fat, uh, that sort of lipid envelope gets disrupted by the soap, which is a surfactant. 
and basically neutralizes the virus. So, you know, the structure of the virus, I'm just going to put the, I've got the virus on the screen. You're saying soap disturbs what the outer bit of the, of the yeah. virus. Yeah, the, the envelope, yeah, which where you see all the spike proteins, like the crown, yeah, yeah? yeah. So basically you'll wash all that off, essentially, with soap. And you'll just be left with a kind of a, uh, like a protein seal with the genetic material on the inside. Okay. Chand Malik asked the question, how reliable are the numbers relating to mortality rates, considering the actual number of reported cases of COVID-19 is vastly underestimated? Well, that's precisely correct. The, the number of uh, reported cases is vastly underestimated because we, you know, we have, we're not testing everybody, and that's why these new uh, serological tests that we talked about earlier in the program are going to be important to get a, an idea of just how many people have had the virus and have recovered from it. So it'll give us a better picture of the sort of size of the population that has been infected. So. Yes, the, the, the likely, the true mortality rate is likely to be significantly lower than the current 4.5%, which is really very high. And, you know, if you consider that the Spanish flu mortality rate was around about 2%, and that killed 50 million people, you know, uh, in, so, you know, 4.5% is, is very, very high. And the likely real figure is probably something like about 1% or just under 1%. Barakallah, brothers and sisters, for those of you who are just joining, I am with Dr. Salman Rahman. Uh, Coronavirus Diaries is a nightly program, 9 p.m. inshallah ta'ala. And by the way, to let you know that tomorrow, inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make dua, the technology works. Um, we're going to be joined by Dr. Ashraf from Palestine, from the pleasant land of Palestine, where people... You know, this issue, unfortunately, there are also cases now in, in, in Palestine. And so um, we would, alhamdulillah, Dr. Dr. Ashraf has actually agreed to join us tomorrow. And we hope that the technology works out. So again, your questions, your comments for him uh, tomorrow, bi-idhnillahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. Omar Ullah says, how long does it take to clear? Can people still catch it off you if you have self-isolated for seven days but you still have some of the symptoms yeah that's a really good question um i mean what we know about this most mainly comes from the data out of china and that data suggests that even once you've recovered uh, from the virus you can still be shedding the virus you can still be transmitting it so some people say that can go up to about a month you know so if you've had if you've got the illness you really should stay away from people uh, even after you recovered for some time, you know, to be sure. Um, and at the moment, we're still learning about this. And, you know, the, and the, the data we've had from China is based upon about 70,000, 80,000 patients. And now we have about, you know, even more than that in Italy. And we're waiting to, to get that kind of data out of it from Italy and Spain and these other areas to get a better picture. Inshallah. Brother Mwimi Atuman says, uh, I watched live in Qatar. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dr. Salman. Barakallah. Alhamdulillah. Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we're able to, to hook up from Qatar. Brother from is it Tanzania. Um, Muhammad Saifuddin asked this question. What do you think of how they do it in Holland? No complete lockdown. And we look at the numbers of today. You have... 8,600 infected, six healed, uh, cured, 547 dead. And if you look at other countries, more infected, less dead, more healed, 
this this dilemma how, how it's been done in different countries yeah this is a, this is a big debate going on about this and you know i would have to say that um you know the the only weapon we have against this virus at the moment is um these uh, quarantining measures and isolation measures and social distancing because we don't have a vaccine the, the population is naive to the virus um and so it is completely vulnerable so as long as people follow the instructions carefully mm. and are responsible then you know it, it may be that you you could you know keep some of the shops open and and still allow some some normality in life but you know what we saw in Italy and what we saw here in the UK was that people weren't following the instructions you know people were still going out and you know congregating and potentially those kinds of congregations are sort of right to spread i'll give you an example i attended a scientific conference uh maybe about a, a couple of weeks ago before this happened you know here in the uk mm-hmm. and people were just basically uh you know crowded into a small space and they were standing together talking together and you know i got quite nervous in thinking these are scientists you know you think these people would know better but they weren't you know so you know it it, it, it the penny has dropped now but i'm telling you even 2 weeks ago you know people were still acting like in a very sort of blase fashion and you know time will tell with what's going on or the strategy that the dutch and the swedes are taking at the moment and maybe their populations are more you know listen to their governments and listen to the instructions more carefully we'll see or maybe they're taking a great risk okay. brother isa nasibu say uh, asked the question is there any relationship between a hot environment and a cold environment in terms of this virus people here in africa you know some people are saying that it is difficult to be to be infected because of the hot environment so the issue with hot and cold is basically to do with how long the virus can remain uh, active and and functional when it's deposited on a surface like you know like a metallic surface or a cardboard box or or in the air for example as an aerosol and obviously it it is generally speaking biological materials tend to uh, last you know longer in colder environments which is why many medicines are kept in refrigeration and are, and are transported between hospitals in refrigerated conditions mm. to make the medicines you know keep the medicines uh, in in good shape essentially so in in hotter countries it's possible that you know that the virus may be uh uh active for, for for a shorter period of time yeah, when in the environment but we still don't really know that's the problem at the moment things are still uncertain with this virus because it's so new and um and time will tell subhanallah one thing that's coming across from you as a scientist is this is this idea that you know we 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 don't really know we don't have all the answers to even understand the full reality of 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 coronavirus Yeah I mean even though these viruses are little tiny things you know that they basically you know just to give you an idea of the size of the virus if you were to take a centimeter and divide that centimeter uh, 10,000 times equally you would then get to the about the size of this virus particle and just to give you another example of just how how many viruses are in 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 our bodily fluids if an infected person if you were to take a teaspoon of an infected person's saliva that teaspoon would contain something like half a trillion virus particles half so, a trillion 
half a trillion virus particles and you only need to get about a thousand particles in your body to, 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 to start off the infection. So you can see that, you know, you just have to breathe in one tiny droplet or just take a tiny, tiny sample of a, of a, of a person's saliva that's infected and you're likely to get this, this, this virus so, and get the disease from this virus. So it's, it's really very important. This is why they're saying keep your distance from people. You need to keep at least two meters away from a person because if, if you're within two meters of a person, you're likely to breathe in some of their aerosol that they generate when they speak and when they uh, cough and what have you. So it's, it just gives you an idea of, of the scale uh, that we're dealing with. SubhanAllah. Uh, Sister Fatima Chowdhury asks, are there things you suggest Islamically to help prevention? For example, black seed, warm honey, uh, warm honey water. Any, any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm not an expert in, in the herbal medicines. Of course, these are, are remedies which have been uh, which are in the sunnah, and of course, we should follow them um, and and uh, and accept that they they, they have the uh, you know, divine knowledge in them. I would say that you know that what we know about this particular uh, virus is that it, it it you know it really can hurt people that have uh, um, lower immune system. The immune system is unable to fight the virus uh, and the virus infection. So generally, older people's immunity tends to be uh, less uh, robust. And also, if you have underlying uh, disease, then your immune system tends to be less robust. And we know that the virus infection can, can take a hold in about 20% of people um, and, and cause severe disease uh, requiring hospitalization. And from that 20%, you know, there's about 5% that get critically ill. You know, and, and, and most of those people tend to, be, to succumb to the disease. And if you look at them, that 5% of people that succumb to the disease, they are the vast majority, about half of them tend to have other illnesses and the other half tend to be over the age of 70. And so, you know, if you're young you, and you have, a, you know, your, your immune system can probably fight off this infection. So any medication or anything you can do that can help strengthen your immune system, you know, will help you, inshallah, to fight this virus off. And some of these medicines that, that have been uh, mentioned in the hadith, you should take them, absolutely. Another question, Brother Nasser Al-Amin says, if someone tests positive with mild symptoms, what can they do to help the recovery? How soon can they recover? Again, I mean, how soon you recover really depends on uh, how well your immune system uh, fights the infection. And it also, to some degree, depends on how much you have been infected with the virus. You know, so we know that patients that have the more severe disease they tend to have a higher viral load. And what that basically means is that, is that their bodies have more virus particles in them. So if you like, if you, if you go back to the analogy that I mentioned at the beginning, that the virus is like an invading army and your immune system is like your defending army trying to defend you. If the invading army is huge in number, then it's going to have a much more, you know, a much greater impact and your immune system is going to have a harder time fighting it off. Which is why we've seen a lot of healthcare workers become infected with the virus and some have unfortunately passed away. You know, over you know, 7,000 healthcare workers have been infected. About 40 of them have died. Uh, and that's because they're ex continually being exposed to the virus. And so their viral load is likely to be higher. Um, so, you know, it depends. To answer your question, it depends on how much you've been exposed to the virus. If you've only had a small dose of it, then you may be able to recover fairly soon. You may have a fairly mild um, case of the disease. 
if you've had a massive uh, in, in inoculation of the virus, then you know you may have a much stronger disease and it'll take you longer to recover. So to, to be clear, because I, I also was a bit confused about this term, uh, 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 viral load. Viral load, viral load. Yeah. So you're saying that the, you, you give the example of the doctors, um, yeah. because for example, I'll just put on the screen, we have uh, this brother, uh, make dua for him. Uh, you know, Dr. Habib Zaidi, who's a doctor in the South End area. Um, one of my friends, uh, who's a doctor, actually knows him quite, quite, quite well, and uh, you know. So this is very close to home. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uh, have mercy on him, forgive him, make him amongst the shuhada. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people working very hard in 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 these times to to look after the rest of us. So mm -hmm. you're saying that a doctor is seeing patients every day. They're coughing, they're sneezing. Is is the COVID is in the air? Their viral load. Just explain this viral load again for me, please. So basically, it's we again we don't know for certain, but it's believed uh, based upon comparison with the other um, coronaviruses like SARS and MERS, which have been studied a lot more because you know it's been a while since those infections took place. It's believed that to get this COVID nineteen virus, you'll need to be infected with about anywhere between a hundred and a thousand viral particles. Which is a very very small dose when you consider how much, uh, you know, how much virus is in 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 the bodily fluids in the, in the saliva, for example, or in the sputum that comes from the throat. So if you're breathing in, you know, uh, uh, aerosols, you know, the droplets of vapor and water, which contain, you know, probably hundreds of thousands of particles, and you're continually breathing them in, then you're going to accumulate more of those virus particles in your body. In other words, you're going to have a, a higher load of the virus okay. and that means your immune system is going to have to fight a bigger army of viruses essentially okay brothers and sisters coronavirus diaries thanks for joining us um like i said before just to repeat again you have another opportunity inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala to question three doctors tomorrow three doctors uh dr abdul wahid He's a GP, he's on the show, he was on the show yesterday uh, with me, many of you know him by now, uh, Dr. Anjad and Dr. Salman, who is our guest today. So um, these uh, brothers will be, inshallah, tell it tomorrow, 7.30, facebook.com slash htbritain, Britain. Um, so there's a, a, a live transmission. Share the link, it's on my page. Join at that time, invite your friends and family. And Alhamdulillah, one thing I'm really happy about today, Alhamdulillah, I mean, is you know, many of your questions and brothers are unable to answer it. Aisha Aziz says, Are smokers more susceptible? Are they more likely to get this virus? Um, I wouldn't say you're, you're more likely to get the virus, but you're more likely to have a, a, a bad uh, response to it because this virus affects your. Uh, airways your, 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 and your lungs. Um, if you have a mild case of the virus, it's generally the upper respiratory tract um, that gets infected and you just basically have a, a fairly mild response. You may get mild pneumonia. But if you have a more severe case of the disease, then your lungs get infected in, in particular. And if you're a smoker, your lungs are already uh, you know, damaged. And so having the virus uh, is likely to give you a, a more severe illness. So, yeah, smokers or people with asthma uh, really need to take extra care. SubhanAllah. 
Doctor, the global health response to this, yeah. um, how do you assess it? How, you know, what, what, what are your views on, on how the global health system or, is trying to deal with this? My view is that, you know, it varies from country to country, really. I mean, the WHO provides advice and tries to coordinate things like clinical trials um, and, you know, basically join the dots, really. And, and, and they do provide a valuable service in doing that. But ultimately, it's down to each national territory to deal with, with, with what it's facing with regards to the virus. And what you've seen, essentially, is different responses to, different, to varying levels of, of of competence and, and ability in different countries. So, for example, if you look at the the way the Koreans have dealt with the, with, the, with their outbreak, they they were one of the countries that got infected quite quickly after China, um, and they had a sort of a surge in cases. But they very they responded very quickly, and they did that um, predominantly by doing mass testing, and then identifying people with the virus and then isolating them. So, tracking and tracing those people, um, and basically isolating them and introducing strict regimes, you know, basically cleaning, uh, social, social isolation, and they brought it under, under control very quickly. The Chinese, because they had such a huge outbreak in, in Wuhan and, and Dubai province, they just basically locked down the whole of those cities and that province, essentially. And wherever the virus had spread to, they locked down those places. And they did it very severely, but it's had a big impact. Um, but then you see places like Spain and Italy that have been quite slow to respond to to the outbreak, and they're now you know paying the, paying the consequences for that, you know, with, with with the fact that their healthcare systems are overloaded. Um, ultimately, you know, there hasn't been a global concerted global effort to try to 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 set some of the, to put infrastructure in place to really be able to deal with these types of pandemics, um, and that's really because you've got you know, uh, a global system where countries act in self-interest. You know, they basically act in self-interest. It's very hard to get countries to work together for the, for the sort of common good. Just look at things like climate change and the environment, you know. In fact, the only positive thing that's coming out of this, this pandemic is that the earth is getting a, a bit of a respite. No. Uh, and you can see that, you know, signs that you know, that there is uh, less pollution in the airs, air in, in places like China and, and northern Italy. That's the only kind of beneficial side to all of this at the moment. And um, so you can see that the lack of coordination, the lack of, uh, of, of collaboration between countries is really because of the political organization. You know, these are nation states, they look after their own national interests, and they don't really work together. And so, you know, if we did have a more unified global political system, Inshallah, the one that Islam could potentially bring us um, through implementation of, of the uh, Khilafah system, we could, you know, have a much more stronger and coordinated response and, and greater preparedness. Inshallah, it really, I mean, this this issue really reminds me that the people don't like the idea of global governance because they yeah. see the U.S. leading the world for many years. They see how it abuses the UN as a tool, how it invades countries. So this idea of global governance is actually is like, you know, you're just dominating the world for the benefit of a few, mainly the capitalists in the UK, US, France. Um, but actually, I think we as, as Muslims, our vision is that the Khilafah to be an example of global leadership, yeah. to rule a part of the world to start with, but to actually show that when you cover a diverse population from Indonesia to Morocco, 
Arabs, yeah. non-Arabs, different languages, and you use the resources, you pull the scientific resources, the cultural, the economic, the intellectual resources, you pull them together, as the Khilafah did in the past, you'll be able to solve so many problems facing human beings. And I think when the world, when people in the world look to that, they would, I can see a lot of people would say, we don't mind living under this, this, this Muslim, you know, this Muslimic Sharia, that, that, as they call it, because they would see that it actually cares for the human being and looks after the human being. Some questions before we finish. Um, do you think, yeah, law, do you think intellectual, sorry, it's a deep question. Do you think intellectual property rights, which I imagine many companies may create patents for vaccines, etc., helps or hinders um, getting masses vaccinated? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I would say that um, in this scenario, uh, those kinds of things probably hinder. Uh, you know, the, the way in which the, 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 the pharmaceutical system is set up it, um, is, it, is that intellectual property is important to allow companies to reimburse the, the, the capital that invest in drug development. Drug development in the West is an extraordinarily expensive business. You know, um, people estimate that to develop a drug from from discovery to uh, application in, in the clinic can cost you know anywhere from one billion to three billion dollars. You know, and you know the clinical trials that have to be done cost hundreds of millions of dollars. So the companies they have these intellectual property rights, uh, which give them a few years of market uh, exclusivity to reimburse themselves from, from from those from that investment. But in cases like like what we're seeing now, where, where you need a, a global response and you need uh, companies to produce uh, vaccines quickly, mm. this kind of thing could potentially hinder. So it's, it's a good example of where the system could, does does in fact probably you know uh, doesn't really work. Uh, Brother Mazhar has a few questions uh, before we wrap up. Brother Mazhar Minhas says, Brother, what do you mean by global response? Uh, please explain. And you, you know what, what? One of the things that's kind of become very obvious right now is because coronavirus doesn't care about borders. Yeah. Humanity is affected. People all over the world are affected in yep. some shape or form. And it shows you that there isn't an island just can protect itself. And also, the human means to find a solution, again, are not just in one part of the world. The, the, I don't know, you know, some of the scientists you work with over the years, you know, you said you've worked in Malaysia, you've worked, you, you've worked in different places. So, you know, when we say that a global response is needed, what kind of element what do you, do you, do you, would we brought together? Well, let's, let's take this by way of looking at what happened in China. China, basically, um, when, when, when the outbreak began to become was recognized as being very serious and was potentially getting out of control the chinese informed the world health organization the chinese basically also uh, sequenced the genome of the virus and then released it uh, so that the rest of the scientific community globally could study the virus mm -hmm. and start to develop strategies to try and develop you know vaccines and other antivirals so there was this sharing of knowledge uh, and the Chinese were pretty good in that. They actually had disseminated all their experience that they've had in dealing with the virus with the, with the international community. And that is a sign of, of, of global cooperation to some degree. But, you know, the, it, they could have 
they they could have done that quicker. Perhaps they could have maybe had been more open earlier on when the, when the when the uh, outbreak was smaller, mm. and and perhaps they could have contained it more quickly. And that's what we mean by global response. If you have a, a system that is you know under a, a singular leadership that is there to look after the interests of the the people, um, it will have its finger on the pulse when it comes to things like this, and it can act very very quickly. That's that's what we mean by a global response. Had the Chinese basically, you know, uh, not allowed this virus to spread out of uh, uh, Wuhan and, and into the Hunan process, they could have probably stopped this in its tracks. But because they didn't respond as quickly as they could have done, um, now this virus is spread across the globe. Subhanallah, subhanallah. Brothers, two questions. Thanks for joining us, brothers. Show some love, brothers and sisters. Love, likes, that helps the Facebook algorithms to inform people that you know that you're watching this video and they may like it as well. Make sure you join us every night. A reminder that tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala, will be uh, live, inshallah, hopefully from nine o'clock with Dr. Ashraf from the blessed land of Palestine. So please join us, put in your diary. Um, Dr. Salman is going to be on a, uh, he's going to be on a, another show tomorrow, 7.30, with Dr. Abdul Wahid and Dr. Amjad, really taking your questions. You have many questions today. We've answered a lot, alhamdulillah, but maybe you still have some other questions we're not able to tackle. Dr. Salman, uh, two points come to my mind before we, we, we wrap it up, which is, as a scientist, you, you've, you know, you're a scientist, you're a Muslim. Um, so you've explained to us a lot about the reality. What, what is the balanced view a Muslim should take in this time? There is concern, there is fear about the reality of this virus, how it spreads so easily, how it can be very damaging, how it can hit young, old, and, and that causes anxiety. So, you know, as a scientist who understands the reality, but also as a Muslim, um, what, what is it, you know, how does a Muslim look to this issue? Well, there are important things we should remember when, when we're dealing with this type of uh, situation, which is causing you know mass anxiety across the whole society. As Muslims, Islam teaches us first and foremost that uh, that our uh, life and our lifespan is something which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has fixed. You know, so our ajal is a, a fixed matter. You know, and um, and also any good or any harm. That comes to us is also something which has been decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and there's nothing we can do to avoid it. So this these are things which we 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 believe and we have Iman in. So this at least should allow us to to have a balanced view. We shouldn't become anxious, over anxious about this virus, because ultimately, no matter how much you try to protect yourself from it, if Allah has written that you will get the disease, you're going to get the disease. You know? But at the same time, this is in Allah's knowledge, and it's not in our knowledge. What we do as, as, as Muslims is that we do what our Prophet ﷺ instructed us. And what did he instruct us to do? In the famous hadith, he said, you know, tie your camel and put your trust in Allah. He didn't just say, leave it, you know. And in the same way, he said, you know, that Allah SWT, he, he created the illness, but he also created the cure, so seek the cure. So he, the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us that we have our own uh, responsibility and we have to act in, in, in these scenarios to try to do what we can do what we can to protect ourselves and to try and and, and, and fight off this this current uh, 
pandemic. But you know, ultimately, we should not uh, become too anxious because this is something which has come from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and you know, and you know, ultimately, if we are to catch the disease or succumb to the disease, this is something which Allah has uh, written for us. And the other thing we should remember is that the the Muslim, the, the believer who who is inflicted with this type of harm, with this type of illness, first, this is a, also a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives the sins of that person. And if that person passes away, then inshallah he is also given uh, and considered as a shaheed. So these are all the the, 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 the benefits that we can that we can uh, look look to in these times of anxiety. Inshallah, you know, we should keep ourselves, you know, with a positive uh, frame of mind and we shouldn't get too anxious, inshallah. Uh, brothers and sisters, um, and actually on that note, uh, let us play this dua that we, we try to play in the night, asking Allah, raising our hands to him. Uh, time for introspection, really, to, you know, to prepare ourselves. At the end of this virus, we want to actually go out and change the world as an ummah. This has forced us to think, to improve, so that when we leave this situation, we can go out as better Muslims to make this world a better place that worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every way and looks after the, the human being. So that dua regarding this calamity that we face in this day and age. Allahumma ya Rabbi qad arhabana hadhal waba nadu'uka biddu'a يا منزل الداء أنزل الدواء وارفع عنا البلاء وأنزل علينا الشفاء يا رافع السماء برحمتك نستغيث يا مغيث الذي تحيي وتميت ارحمنا بالشفاء وكلما قال هذا الدعاء يا ارحم الراحمين Tomorrow you've got Dr. Salman uh, again at 7.30 with uh, Dr. Abdullahi and Co. On Saturday, later that evening at 9 p.m., you have live from Palestine with Dr. Ashraf. And on Sunday, inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have, uh, inshallah, hopefully joining us uh, from the Midlands, Brother Mozambique, uh, well known to most of you, will hopefully join us, inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dr. Salman, Will you come again, inshallah? Inshallah. Inshallah. So uh, thank you very much. Um, a lot of brothers and sisters showing the love and appreciation uh, on the screen. Uh, really thank you for your insights uh, into this, your advice, uh, your answering questions, and your advice to us as Muslims to stay strong, be positive, remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ask for the best. And we ask Allah to give shifa to those who are ill, to accept Amen. as shaheed those who have passed away through this, to lift this from Amen. us soon and to help us to be stronger, better Muslims, to come out of this really working harder for his deen and his cause. Uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Brothers and sisters, thank you very much for joining us. 9 p.m. Coronavirus Diaries. Join us tomorrow, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran Tafsir, and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.